1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day Savings, happening now at The Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done.
2: Welcome into All Ball, the All Basketball Podcast, here on the Heard Podcast Network. I'm Doug Gottlieb. Real quick, uh, just a reminder to listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily on Fox Sports Radio from 3 to 6 Eastern Time and 12 to 3 Pacific. What a story we have in the NBA. Uh, Our long national nightmare is over. It's definitely over because Kawhi Leonard is no longer playing in this nation. He's playing in Toronto. Um, Look, my initial blush is deadlines bring deals, and though there was no hard hard deadline, there was the meeting that took place in San Diego to which I've been told, and most people believe, Greg Popovich after hearing Kawhi Leonard out, said, I'll trade you. I can't tell you where I'm going to trade you. We're going to get the best deal possible. I'll trade you. Now, he wants Kawhi to play with USA Basketball. USA Basketball is getting together in Vegas. So it had to be, he'd like it to have been done because otherwise is Kawhi going to put himself out there and play and be healthy if he's, on the trade block, and he's set to be traded. The answer is probably not. In addition to the idea of if he was traded somewhere that was not respectable, would he even suit up? or Would he play, or would he pretend to still be hurt? I don't think Kawhi Leonard ever pretended to be hurt. I don't. I don't ever thought. I don't think he thought he was right. I'm guessing if he plays now, he does think he's right. He absolutely does. But I think that actually. San Antonio did right by him and did right by themselves. San Antonio what what they can only be accused of doing is uh is overvaluing themselves on the market and potentially chasing the market. You know, their list price initially was ridiculous. You know, Kuzma, Ingram, Hart, picks, picks, picks and then they wanted even more they they wanted um they they wanted a similar sort of bounty from teams like Philadelphia. But the other reports that we had heard was, hey, if you can get us a top 20 player in the NBA, we'll move Kawhi Leonard for you. And that's what they got in DeMar DeRozan. I don't love DeRozan's ability to shoot the three. I don't love the fact that he disappeared against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I've seen DeMar DeRozan take over an NBA game. Absolutely take over. And while Toronto looks like bad guys because they said initially they weren't going to trade him, If you had DeMar DeRozan, you can trade him for Kawhi Leonard. And, oh, yeah, by the way, get Danny Green as an ancillary piece, you make that deal. To me, it comes down to timelines. Toronto's timeline is we got to win, we got to win now. If it doesn't happen this year with no LeBron in the East, it's never going to happen with this group, and we got to rethink things. So you go all in. You go all in. Just like when you're in poker. When you go all in in poker, it doesn't mean you got a great hand. It just means that at some point in time, we got to go all in now, because everybody else's hand might not be great and it might be just good enough hand to win this thing or to get to an NBA finals. And then maybe you get quite a comeback or maybe you don't. And you move all your pieces. As for the Spurs, does DeRozan fit their, their championship mold? Probably not. But neither does LaMarcus Aldrich. Aldrich scores in the post. That's not really needed anymore. And DeMar DeRozan scores in the mid-range. That's not really desired anymore either. But San Antonio Spurs will once again find a way to remain competitive for a longer period of time than anybody's remained competitive in recent NBA history. As for the Lakers, I think they're fine. Look at Josh Hart and his value and how much that skyrocketed winning the Summer League MVP. And it wasn't like he was the Summer League MVP because his team won. He was the best player in Summer League. Lonzo will be better. Ingram should be better. Kuzma should be better. And oh yeah, by the way, LeBron will help them be even better. I like that the Lakers are going to take this year to figure out what they got and what they want to add. It's just not Kawhi Leonard right now. Let me give you one kind of recruiting college basketball thought. I've been, you go back a year ago, and if you follow me on Twitter, I've been a huge proponent of Cole Anthony being the number one player in the class of 2019. Doesn't know where he's going to go to high school next year. It's Greg Anthony's son. Um... And, and here's what's, what's fascinating about Cole Anthony. I've talked to a lot of NBA players about this. Is how do, I, how do I give my kid a better life than I've lived? Teach him all that I know about the sport that I love. And on the other hand, create kind of the hunger and toughness that I had in order to get to this point. And the guy that somehow has been able to achieve that is Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony has a nastiness to him, to which uh, nastiness and competitive streak to him, which I love and is needed and is missing. Ask any of these former NBA players, and they'll all tell you. Like my kid's too nice. My kid went to a private school. My kid grew up in a great neighborhood. My kid is, and Cole Anthony has, um, you know, growing up in New York City, kind of has that chip on his shoulder, and will just attack you and try and tear your heart out and feed it to you for lunch. He's incredible. Incredible. He's bigger than his dad. um, Needs to improve his shooting, but a better shooter than than his dad was. Um, I don't know if he's as good a defender as his dad was a great defender. But he can pass. He can dunk on you. He can score. He can lead. He can win. And he is tougher than a $2 stake. I know there are other guys in 2019 that are competing with him for best in class. But being a point guard, having that sort of pedigree, and having the toughness that so many with that pedigree lack, Boy, whoever gets him is absolutely going to love him. All right, last thing before we get to some of the interviews here on the All Ball podcast is the potential for a rules change in college basketball or high school basketball in terms of recruiting and whether or not the NCAA will have the NBA and NBA G League run some of these camps for them. The Peach Jam took place last week. Team Takeover won it. They beat Team Why Not. And it was a great celebration of basketball. Victor Oladipo with Team Why Not, and of course, Russell Westbrook, excuse me, Russell Westbrook with Team Why Not, and Victor Oladipo with Team Takeover. The idea that so many of these, and I know they're Nike guys and Nike legends, but Nike guys will show up and will give some of their money and some of their time to these kids who, you know, want to look and believe that one day and somebody in that gym will be the next Kevin Garnett, will be the Kevin Durant, who's there, will be the next Russell Westbrook, will be the next Victor Oladipo. I think speaks well for where basketball is. Uh, the part I would be really cautious of if I was the NCAA, and I'm not as sensitive to Peach Jam because, look, when, when I played, we didn't have Peach Jam. We had AAU tournaments. or there was the AAU National Championship, which nobody went to on the West Coast. The West Coast, we always did Vegas and Phoenix. And there would be Riverside Church would come out from New York. The Gauchos would come out from, from New York. You'd get teams from Utah and Nebraska and all over the country. And then that was after ABCD camp. And there was ABCD, which was Princeton ABCD, which became Converse ABCD. And Nike had their own camp. And then it was Adidas ABCD. We've done the camp thing. We've done the tournament thing. I do think the one thing that the EYBL has is they have a competitive spring structure. They have pretty darn good coaching. And at the end of the day, you have to win something in order to achieve the right amount of acclaim. Whereas some of these other events now are no longer true tournament forms. They have to guarantee you games, or teams won't play in their event. And they're just kind of made for TV. You lose, you don't care as much as we cared. I remember losing in Vegas. Every time we lost in Vegas, I remember we never, never won the championship. We lost to BABC, I think in the finals my senior year um we lost to a nebraska team my junior year you know i think we lost to a uh, a team from pennsylvania with pete lasicky my sophomore freshman or sophomore year like i remember those losses more than any of the wins and i do think that the one thing you got to be cautious of with true camps and i think what what old school people whatever that com, com, uh, that commission came up with is this kind of idealistic Hey, we'll have the old five-star. We'll have stations. And this is needed. Truly, teaching is needed. But some of that exists with the Nike Skills Academy. Some of that exists with some of these other uh, events and other camps. It's it's not, it's not perfect in any way. Um, but in completely tearing apart the system that's taken place, especially the good, like take some of the good out of it. True, shoe companies uh, can push guys in the direction of their representative schools. And that's not supposed to be what showcase basketball is about. AU basketball is about teaching kids the game while getting them opportunities to play in college. There are some events which are really good. There are some events that are bad. And you have to be judicious with striking things down with one rule. Now, the caution to people who believe Peach Jam is the end-all, be-all, and if it goes away, all's good that goes away in the summer – My point is only that PCM has not been forever. There will be some other event. There will be some other way to do it. And while uh, basketball coaches wouldn't be able to, college basketball coaches wouldn't be able to attend uh, events during a live period. I mean, can't you just be virtually there? I mean, wouldn't it just be about things being televised? Or is is there a loophole to which college basketball coaches could be like in a viewing room next door. They've always found a way to go around the rules. They've always found a way to see the kids. The kids, for the most part, the good ones have been seen. One or two fall through the cracks. And so I don't think it's an Armageddon if these rules which were suggested are enacted. Again, that doesn't mean I think it's a good idea. Um, I just think there has to be things within reason. There should be more coaching, more teaching. It should be more about winning games than it is about showcasing players. On the other hand, you want to showcase guys. You want to give guys as many opportunities to be seen as humanly possible so that fewer and fewer th- slip through the cracks. And you want to see the East versus the West and the North versus the South. You want to see competitive basketball so that you get a sense, you know, instead of watching film or watching a kid compete against his high school team or his AU team, what it looks like against the other kids you the Let's welcome in from the athletic Ethan Strauss. He joins us here in the All Ball Podcast. And, Ethan, let me ask you, your reaction to the Kawhi Leonard-DeMar DeRozan trade?
0: Yeah. Well, the first reaction, like much of the basketball intelligentsia, is that it seems like a good deal for the Raptors and uh, less of a great deal for the Spurs. But then that gives me pause because sometimes we're just wrong about it things you know especially when we when we all agree that can tend to happen remember when the Paul George trade uh was one that the Pacers got slaughtered in if, if, if memory serves I mean that was the consensus and now now look at it look at Oladipo so um I don't love it for the Spurs in a vacuum I don't but I also didn't think that LaMarcus Aldridge was really a good fit for them and he had quite a good season last season so I just wonder if they look at DeMar DeRozan they see that he does something that's it's fallen out of favor in the mid-range jumper. As Lamarcus didn't feel, though, they can leverage that in the better shots, and that they know what they're doing. Uh, so, if I had to guess, great deal for the Raps, uh, but I, I, I'm still a little, 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 little suspicious that maybe the Spurs pulled off something here. I,
2: I, um, I look. I I I. Let's start with the Spurs side. I do think they were mm-hmm. asking for too much, and they chased the market away a little bit, right? They, interesting. You yeah. just you just start asking for like, listen, we'll we'll think about Ingram or Kuzma, but Ingram and Kuzma, and uh, you know, and then you start going through, and you are like, well, we want Josh Hart, of course, and obviously the Lakers had to know something about. I don't know if they knew he would perform as well at summer league as he performed, mm-hmm. but. They really, really like Josh Hart for as much of their culture, as much as anything else. And then you start talking about picks. I just, I feel like they were asking for the moon, the stars, and the sun. And most of the league's sitting there going, hey, you kind of got a depreciating asset there. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Raptors did want to get out of that deal. There are some limitations to DeRozan. I actually think San Antonio did well with all things considered. It's just, are you closer, that much closer to winning a championship when you have two players who are kind of, Uh, Players from a foregone era, right? Like a a post-up big in Aldrich and a mid-range pull-up guy in DeMar DeRozan. If this was 95, you'd be great, but it's not. It's 2019. And, you know, you save face, but it's not like we're going to pencil the Spurs in as a championship contender. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, and as an aside, doesn't it feel as though they never really respected Danny Green for all he did for them? Just, I, I don't know what's up with that. It, it, it seems as though that was always the guy that Pop would yell at and scream at. And I know that last season wasn't a great season for him, and maybe maybe he's fallen off. And uh, But he just seems like somebody who could provide good value for a team. And so that, that's, not a bad, that's not a bad piece at all for, for the Raptors. I will say this. If I'm, if I'm trying to uh, devil's advocate the position of maybe the Raptors aren't going to be as impressed, aren't going to be as happy as how this all goes, they've invited a lot of drama into their team. And it's all based on this, this, this kind of bet. You know, in, in a funny way, this isn't even basketball analysis, this is more of a, a look at how uh, the culture of a city and how it changes in its self assessment. Canada's always had a little bit of that little brother syndrome, and they've had that insecurity that Vince Carter so so pressed on when he uh, when he you know exited out of there in the way that he did it. But now they're riding high. Now Toronto is cool. Now uh, Drake has given it a little bit of verve, and now they think they're the city that if you come here, you might not know it's great, but my you know my God, you're going to be so impressed, and you're not going to leave. I don't know if that's going to happen. As somebody from, and you can also have this perspective as well, as somebody who also grew up in Southern California, you could show me the lost city of Atlanta, and you told me <laughs> that it gets to 30 below. I'm not going back under my own volition. That's okay. just how it is.
2: I, I do. So, NBA, Look, NBA players love Toronto, though, right? I mean, like, I, I'm not speaking out of turn. They love Toronto. And yeah, that, but I mean, this,
0: and, this and, guy might be a different kind of guy. Correct. Though, you know? But anyway, that's that's, what you were the,
2: that's the part that people are missing. They're like, NBA guys love Toronto. They do. But he's not your normal NBA guy. And I would also say that there is, while everyone's hitching their wagon to the, hey, you know, Paul George. Paul George said he was coming. Um, The one thing that's interesting about the Paul George thing is, you know, Russell Westbrook was his best friend. They were so close, man, leading up. Then he signs a new deal. And I follow Russell Westbrook on Instagram. And I've noticed that Mm -hmm. he continues to travel the world. I've also noticed Paul George does not travel with him. Right? They're like best friends to a point. So, uh, you know, look, I think Kawhi ends up likely in Los Angeles, and I think Toronto knows this and they're willing to roll the dice because, uh, on their kind of timeline, they got to win and win now. Otherwise, they got to blow that thing up and start over anyway.
0: Yeah, that's, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble who's listening, but most NBA players are not actually friends with one another. It's very similar. So when you go into the office and you see Gary in the cubicle and you, you know, Gary's a Packers fan. So maybe you go, Oh, the Packers won. And then you, you know, that's, that's about it. And that's the arrangement. It's not, you know, most of these guys aren't friends and most of them aren't enemies. It's somewhere in between, just like in any working environment, but uh, with Paul George, I mean, I wonder if that was just tainted by his agent not having a great relationship with the Lakers after what happened to uh, D'Angelo Russell. That was the scuttlebutt coming out of summer league, so that might have been a special situation that isn't necessarily applicable uh, to the Kawhi Leonard situation, where it looks like he would saw off his left left arm in order to get to Los Angeles.
2: Ethan Strauss joining us. House of Strauss is his podcast. It's a really, really good one. A a, a smart way at looking at the game. Uh, that, that we all love. I encourage you to download it. He's kind enough to join us here on the All Ball Podcast. Um, I'm Doug Gottlieb. Okay, so uh, what about Summer League? I know you spent time there. I don't want to go too crazy about it. Uh, most people know Miles Simon is my best friend in basketball. He did a great job. He's done an incredible job helping these young players develop. And I, I really think that people are starting to see what the Lakers are building around LeBron James slowly kind of morph and come together, am I overvaluing what I saw from Josh Hart and the assumption that others in the purple and gold are going to improve, maybe not at the exact same level, but at a similar level around him?
0: I, I don't know if you're overrating it because they love Josh Hart and Charlie and have loved Josh Hart. And maybe the thing to, um, maybe the negative, maybe the downside is more the organizational chaos is chaos too strong a word i'm not sure but this odd situation where lebron effectively is an agent as well as a superstar basketball player where the lakers love josh hart okay so if they love josh hart then why would you give contavious Cobble pope 12 million dollars considering everything that happened last year i think we all know why i think we know it doesn't have a lot to do with how he's, well because played last year
2: right because he's rep by lebron by rich paul right and you want to say yes. i i didn't like it either And I know he was, they they didn't love him, uh, but I I think that's what that's about, right?
0: Yeah, that's what that's about. And so I guess the question is, is that can you, can you have things happen like that on the margins and still be successful? You certainly could in the past with LeBron in his full prime. And it's why it's very difficult, I think, to tell LeBron anything because you can tell him that a lot of the things you do as a teammate aren't the best. A lot of the things you do uh, might be a little destabilizing to into an organization, and he can point to absolutely uh, just a ruinous situation in Cleveland that he turned into a championship. So I think it's difficult to tell him anything, uh, but I do wonder if at this phase in his career um, if it's if, if you can have things like that continue to happen on the margin and have the level of success that you want to have in a conference that, let's face it, is almost like an entirely different league than the East. It's almost like the East is AAA and this is the majors. I don't know if you can do that. And maybe you can, but I, I have my suspicions. I have my reservation.
2: Uh, I do. I do as well. What do you make of the Jimmy Butler situation? <laughs>
0: I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, is it it fair just to not have a good take on that one? Let's hear. Okay, this is now. This is not what you want from a guest at all. But I'm going to ask you for your take, and maybe I'll riff on it. What is your take on the Jimmy Butler situation? If I'm honest, Doug. If I'm honest, all I really wanted to talk about when I came on here uh, was the war that you're having on Twitter over this whole soccer. Uh, U.S. soccer player situation. That, okay, was, we'll, that was the we'll main get, we'll get, conversation I wanted right, to have. We'll,
2: we'll get to that. One, we'll get to that in one second. I know this is all, ball, but but I uh, real uh, real quickly on Jimmy Butler. I think he knows those dudes. Yeah. Those aren't his kind of dudes. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not. He's not buying into it. I think he wants to be, frankly, in L.A. Uh, if not, he would find some other big market. But I think he's tired of messing around with it. I I think. Like that, guys. We talk about guys being wired differently. I think Jimmy Butler is Mm -hmm. wired to where he wants a chance to compete for the whole thing, and I just don't think he he thinks they have it.
0: Yeah, I I wonder if it's a bit of a referendum on Cat, and if that's a guy who so talented, so much buzz. We hyped him up. We we instantly for a second forgot about Anthony Davis and made him the next guy. And I just don't know if defensively he's ever going to be. Uh, an impact player and that's a big problem for a big it is the responsibilities aren't evenly divided more of your responsibility is defensive the bigger you are or the bigger position that you play and i i I just wonder if that's a bit of a referendum because if he was somebody who fit the potential i am not sure that you see that and I, i just that situation i don't think is gone it hasn't gone as well it's not going as well given the talent level and uh, i wonder i just wonder if Thibodeau um, in his role has, uh, has has done everything he needs to do i, so those w- are my I-, quick I would agree with you. and i agree with you
2: all right let's get to the let's get to the soccer thing my assertion is, yeah. is my my assertion is really really simple in that i understand there are other issues with us soccer completely understand um but I, we also look, we live in a country with incredible resources, not just financially, but in terms of the the volume of quality athletes. And because of football and because of basketball, I think that the best players, the best athletes, all around athletes. And it, if people think of athleticism, they simply think of speed and jumping ability. There's a lot more to it than that. Um, I, you know, by and large, they all go away from soccer. Whether they have access to it when they're five or six or not, or many of them do not, they, they don't pick up a soccer ball. And if they were to, if we were to create a way in which it was cool to play soccer growing up, then I think we would dominate because we have go, – just go look at – I mean, take a look at your favorite incredible athlete in basketball. You mean to tell me that Russell Westbrook wouldn't be a great soccer player had he played it from a young age? Um, if mm. if the size if the size of LeBron James like well there's no not that kind of athlete not that there's no six seven guys playing soccer okay that's fine like if you want to keep this to a six foot four or below just look at the guards and the Patrick Beverleys and the Nate Robinsons of the world the, these freak athletes that choose to play basketball or football above soccer uh, until we change that we're always going to be dealing with. You mentioned JV versus varsity. That's really what it is, whereas the best athletes in these other countries, they grow up playing soccer, and then maybe they grow too big, and they have to become basketball players. It works the opposite way.
0: So, so I agree with you in the macro, but I think one of the reasons why you're getting the pushback you're getting, despite you know regular soccer snobbery, which uh, can be obnoxious, um, is that it's not necessarily always completely translatable and all about Uh, athleticism and, you know, this idea that if we take uh, a really athletic guy and we have him in a soccer context, he might not have the foot coordination, just that specific skill set that would be necessary uh, to dominate as a soccer player. So I think that you are right. I think in a country of our size, with our resources, if we were actually devoted to it, if we were actually committed to it, if we had the pipeline that you're talking about, then, yes, we would dominate – um, but we would also need guys to be trained in that specific skill set. You know, it reminds me a little bit of how football snobs would get angry when people would say that LeBron could have dominated as a tight end. And right. they would say, oh, you don't understand the intricacies of blah, blah, blah. No, right. he would have dominated. Or they say, like,
2: you know, he's a basketball guy. He doesn't want to take contact. I'm like, here's the thing. Yeah. What wide receiver goes like, you know, what? I can't wait. I can't wait to get ear holed. <laughs> Right, <laughs> I mean, you know, there, it doesn't doesn't exist. He's six foot seven, two hundred and sixty pounds. Six foot eight, two hundred sixty pounds. Like yeah. I think, as a tight end, a wide receiver, he'd be okay. Do I think he wants to get a year hold? No, I don't think anybody wants to get a year hold. Quite, quite frankly, no. So and no, and, and it's you're the, you're it's right. So,
0: incentive,
2: right? And so you, you're and, you, and you're and you're right. There are things about soccer that you have to play to learn. But I also think that we're we're underselling the level of intelligence, spatial recognition, uh, how to you know also how you move your hips, how you move your feet. The the great basketball players, great football cornerbacks, wide receivers have incredible feet, incredible feet. Matter of fact, if you ask NBA guys, like one of the reasons that the Lakers weren't high on Julius Randle, even after having his best. Uh, statistical career as a pro is like he just has he just has really bad footwork that they've they're trying they tried all season desperately to kind of fix but you can only clean up so much and so the idea isn't just like hey we got more speed look Mbappe I, I understand he has a lot of skill but a lot of what he was able to do is just pure raw speed quickness that so few have And I do think that we have hundreds, if not thousands, of those caliber athletes that are being developed in other sports and they're not being developed in soccer.
0: I would generally agree with that. I I, I would, and I'm reminded of how much Jerry West, when he was with the Warriors, uh, was frustrated with Harrison Barnes' footwork. And that was a constant lament of his. And that is an aspect that can take you from a, a pretty good NBA player to maybe something a little bit better. So I agree. I think people, for whatever reason, blanch at the idea that uh, a lot of what, what what's good in sports is translatable. I, I don't know why we could come up with uh, various theories as to why, but I, I think they want to feel as though their sport is very, very special. And maybe that's what you're bumping up against. Is, and then you're also bumping up against the idea that, oh, uh, you know, ugly American, arrogant American, blah, 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 sure. blah, blah. But I'm mostly with you. I was very, uh, I, for whatever reason, I was just so amused to see it become such a fight and people to be so so passionate about this uh, this hypothetical, and uh, I enjoy it. I love conversations like right, that.
2: Last, last thing, and then we got to run. Um, sure. Uh, okay, so now the East. Let's say – assume Kawhi plays, because I don't think you can sit for two straight years. Rank the East as quickly as you can.
0: <laughs> God, These are such tough questions. I think I would go – ooh, that's tough. I mean, I just flip Boston and Philly in my mind. I, you know, I, 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 I struggle – I struggle with both of those. I guess I'm going to go Philly based on talent. I'll go Boston and I'll go Toronto, and after that, it gets a little bit it gets a little bit murky for me. But that's my top three. What is your top three?
2: I go Boston far and away number one. Oh
0: oh oh oh! I, I go. You know what? I might bump up Indiana above Toronto. I might. I might just do it.
2: I like what the Wizards have done. I kind of like what the Bucks have done. I think the East is pretty good. Do I think it's as deep as the West? I don't. I I do think we're forgetting how good, if healthy, Kyrie is, and Gordon Hayward is, and assuming Jason Tatum yeah. improves uh, in his second year, which he should. Jalen Brown continues to improve. I still put Boston one.
0: Ooh, I put I put yeah, Boston... with Marcus with Marcus Smart coming back too. Uh, you know, maybe I flip that. Maybe I go okay. Now I'm all over the place. I like the Pacers. I like what the Pacers did a lot. I, you do. I, I I'm into them. Right. Um, I do and I, I think Miles Turner is very underrated and still on the upswing. So I, I got to say, this idea that the Raptors are automatically the best in the East is not something I'm on board with, especially because we just don't know what we're getting from Kawhi and uh, with what motivation. So
2: And they have a brand new coach. And I like Nick. I played for him, but I'll be interested to see. House of Strauss is the podcast. Ethan, great stuff. Awesome conversation. Really appreciate you joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, Doug.
2: So that's it for this episode of All Ball. Make sure you subscribe, you download, you rate us. Listen to The Doug Gottlieb Show live on Fox Sports Radio daily, 3 to 6 Eastern Time, 12 to 3 Pacific. And stay tuned next week. We'll have a great recap of the first couple weeks of the open recruiting period. And we think now that the dust is settled, we'll begin to take a look at all that has changed in NBA rosters. Keep listening. We appreciate it. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All
0: Ball.